Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. Okay, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just, it's, they're just, there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to the show. This week we hear a number of interviews which are unfortunately not normally what we get to run on the show. Cole Hitchcock, the Director of Communications for V8 Supercars, talks about the TV audience figures from Tassie. Chaz Moster wraps up his weekend from Simmons Plains. Stephen Johnson gives us his impression on motorsport, the new generation and Gen 2 cars. But first, after the break, Jamie Wincup joins us. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapsdale family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, Jamie Wincup finishes his Simmons Plains weekend on a great high, taking the victory in the long race on Sunday. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was a, a fantastic weekend all round for, for Red Bull Racing Australia. Um, Lounsey was uh, the, the, the force this weekend with three poles, two wins, and um, uh, unfortunately got uh, tangled up with uh, Davey Reynolds at the start of the race, and uh, thankfully I was uh, in contention to pick up the pieces. What do you think it is that your cars are just so quick on, on particularly Simmons Plains? Um, yeah, you know, we've had a great run down here in the past. Um, particularly my car wasn't that uh, that competitive all weekend. We, we, we struggled with probably the fourth or fifth quickest car for most of the weekend, but we were able to just sort of grind it out and um, just really, it was a bit of a survival today just to make sure we got there, but um, great strategy. Really good, uh, really good pit stops. Got us... Uh, into the lead of the race, and uh, we're able to control it from there. You've grabbed the lead in the championship again. How different is this year, going second time round to all these tracks with Couchy, as compared to last year? Yeah, the, the competition's unbelievably uh, competitive this year. We've um, the FPR guys, HRT, uh, really stepped up their game, and um, you know we're, we're grinding it out hard as well to try to make sure. We, uh, we stay ahead of the game. So, the, you know, the start of the year's been great, but uh, it's not quite up to the expectation that uh, that, that we uh, expect on ourselves at, at Red Bull Racing. So, um, you know, we're, we're certainly not going to cruise this next month. We're going to make sure we, we uh, put our heads down and try to improve the cars and um, come out strong for the next round. And your relationship with Couchy, is it at the same level now it was with Dutta? Uh, well, we're forever trying to improve. You know, it's ups and downs. The the, the other uh, engineer relationship. Catch you know, I had our um, you know, we, we we had our issues this weekend, just trying to 
trying to uh, improve the car and get it as, as competitive uh, as uh, as everyone else. But um, yeah, no, you know, we're we're forever trying to forever learning, forever trying to get better. Is it is it tough when you think you should go one way and other people are telling you you have to go a different way? Yeah, of course. That, that's life, though. You, uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, we've got the big job. Oh, I've got the big job behind the wheel, and Katsy's got the big job uh, calling the shots uh, back back in the pit. So if it was easy, everyone would do it. So um, it's a big responsibility, and it's one we uh, one we strive off, and one we uh, absolutely want to get right for our teammate. My thanks to Jamie Wincup. We have more from the six-time champion next week on the show. But after the break on Inside Supercars, it's Chaz Mostert. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Tires this week, been back and a bit unlucky the first time, but we end up with a win there at the Freeway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Chaz Mostert joins us on the line now, and a great way to finish up uh, your racing before a uh, five-week break on the podium, and good points once again in the FGX, Chaz Mostert. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, the team did a really good job this weekend. Uh, we struggled a bit on the hard tyre pace, but um, the soft the car really made sense. The car, the FGX, how much different was it down there at Tassie to last year? Uh, yeah, a, a lot different. Um, I think uh, obviously a massive improvement uh, on from 12 months ago from the, the old FG, FG here. So uh, really looking forward to, to going to Perth. It's obviously a good hunting ground there for us. We we have um, normally have pretty good cars there, but fingers crossed, you never know. The tracks that we were strong at might be weak at now, but the tracks we're weak at, we seem to be... Um, Bit, bit stronger this year than what we were last year. Is Perth a special track for you because it was where you made your full-time main game debut? Yeah, definitely. Perth's obviously got awesome memories uh, for me. I was uh, lined up for the first year, um, first year in, in uh, main game with DJR there, which was which was really exciting. It's um, it, it's a it's a good track, you know. It's got a lot of tire deck there with the the way the the track surface is with the the sand also in the, all the um, the runoff there. So. It um it makes it very interesting for degradation. So um our car this weekend's been fantastic for that. So fingers crossed that can help us um when we go to Perth. Every race your car has been in with a chance to win, and I guess that's something that's giving you a lot of heart and a lot of excitement. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, when the when we when we qualify well, we we're always in a shot for a podium. So it's uh it's good with that. It's not like we're qualifying. Um, a couple, you know, well, all the time we need to work on those things and try and work out why we can't qualify in the top three rows each and every time. But um, saying that, when we do qualify, we, we always seem to, to do get the result. Certainly looked like your strategy played out today and you were just making the right decisions. And th- this is something that I, I know that you, coming up through the ranks, were also aware of. FPR was known for making the wrong decision at the right time. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, for today the strength was definitely the way our car looked after its tyres on the soft. 
and and we did probably the most amount of laps on the soft tyre compared to other people. So that really helped us out to to run longer in the first strategy and stuff like uh, run for in the first stint to get us up the pointy end, and then we were able to maintain that speed in the last in the last stint. So you know, like you said, um, if you have been known not to make the right decision, but I think from the last 12 months or or, or two years that the there seems to be um, a lot better decisions going on. We've got um, a lot more um, different people in the situation now, and um, it all seems to be running quite smoothly. Well, Chaz, have a great break and look forward to seeing you back on the grid there at Perth in five weeks' time. Thanks very much. Stevie J is next on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Stephen Johnson joins us on Inside Supercars. Stephen, is there a motorsport category in Australia where the driver is the only factor that makes the difference? I think, you know, it's a good question. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that no matter what you've got, if you've got something under you that you're making operate um, to get somewhere, you know, albeit a motor vehicle or a motorbike or whatever it might be, um, there's always some advantage or disadvantage. I mean, you just got to look at the, um, you know, the not so much the touring car masters, but the Aussie race cars, for instance. They're a very uh, supposed to be a very very level playing field, but you always see the same guys pretty much, um, give or take, winning the races. Um, you know, you always see. I commentate a lot of those races, and you you see a lot of differences in the straight line speed between them, and they're all supposed to be the same motor, and they're all supposed to have the same restrictions, um, and then you're supposed to get penalties um, for winning races in that. You know, whether it be uh, penalties in your uh, your air intake size, so they obviously give you a smaller air intake to slow you down. Uh, yeah, but you always seem to see the same guys winning. So um, uh, I'm sure that it doesn't matter what sort of category that you're racing in, in motorsport, there's never, ever a perfectly equal playing field and it just comes down to basically the driver. Um, but having said that, you know, the good drivers always get to the front and always shine. So uh, uh, the only sports I think that... that it, really does come down to talent is things like golf and tennis where it's pretty much all physical and and training and and obviously skills and what they do. Um, Anyone can buy the same tennis racket uh, as uh, whoever it might be, Roger Federer or uh, Nadal or Djokovic. But I bet you any money that uh, if I went to Triple Eight to buy a car exactly the same as Jamie Winkup's, I bet you a million dollars that I wouldn't get exactly. I might get 95% of it, but I wouldn't get the whole 100%. Mm. Yeah, it's always been a, an interesting point. Just having now raced the GTs a, a few times, Vert Supercars were looking at 
different platforms for the Gen 2, are you still mystified or uh, surprised that they didn't try to go with the, if they didn't go with a GT package, go with maybe the DTM Super GT out of Japan rather than keeping and slogging with their own design? Obviously, there's a lot of things that are behind the scenes that, you know, I don't know about and, and all of us don't know about what goes on. But with decisions that get made, some decisions we all wonder how they get made. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, I think the car of the future, in my opinion, has not um, had the effect that everybody wanted it to. Uh, it certainly has made it very, very difficult in certain aspects, Um cost, running, etc. Um, so, you know, yes, we have got some other manufacturers into the series, which is what they wanted, but, um, you know, I don't think the, the parity or the, um, um, you know, the whole fundamental of the car of the future has really, uh, you know, gone the way that they really wanted it to go. Um, so, you know, I don't know, you know, what 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 the answer is for the future, I don't know. Um at the moment, there is still quite a bit of discrepancy in engine power between the brands. Um, you know, some that have good power and some that haven't. Um, so, you know, when they bring in this new rule um, where they're going to allow, you know, four-cylinder and six-cylinder turbocharged engines in different configurations that uh, relate more to the manufacturer than a, um, than a pushrod V8, um, you know, I don't know how they're going to be able to police uh, and you know, make it make everybody competitive, and make it not uh, you know obviously not have someone that's got a massive advantage like there used to be in the Group A days. You know, the, at one stage there, the Sierras had a massive advantage, and then the, the Nissan came along with four-wheel drive and twin turbo. They had a massive advantage. So I don't know how they're going to make the um, parity equal when you've got so many different engine configurations, as well as keeping the cost down and make it affordable for everybody to be able to still afford to go racing because the corporate sponsorship and the corporate dollar is getting a lot harder and it's a lot lower than what it used to be 10 years ago. Mm. Well, you were right in the thick of DJR during the uh, during the transition over to the new generation car and I'm interested in, in your point of view there because on the racetrack, the racing was never better. That first and, s- and second year last year, whilst Jamie Winkup won the championship, we had never seen more winners before, so... It was just, you know, Jamie's consistency. Yeah, which is, you know, certainly definitely good for the category. And that's something that um, I think we all wanted. We didn't want to see just one person dominating. But I think that was more so um, a, I guess, a reflection on some teams having more of a stranglehold on the new generation car uh, than what others did, you know. And... You'll remember when uh, when they first started, the um, uh, the team that was the dominant team at the start, who had a stranglehold on the car of the future, because the car of the future had some certainly differences and differences in performance, uh, where it was a very very nervous and taily car to drive. The people that got on top of that the best was uh, BJR, Brad Jones, and uh, Bright and Fabian Coulthard won a lot of races at the start of car of the future era because they had, uh, I wouldn't say a head start, but they certainly had their head around the new style of car a lot quicker 
than even Triple Eight did, which I think surprised everybody. So, um, you know, that meant for a lot more winners, a lot different winners, which was fantastic. But ultimately, um, you look at the teams that uh, have been, you know, the ones to beat over the last five years, um, they certainly uh, have come to the fore again and, um, you know, are now back to, I guess, where they uh, where they left off in the Ultimate Cup. And I guess uh, as a package develops, the team that's got the most money to develop it, and when you consider one of the teams is supplying components to 100% of the field, it means they're getting the most feedback. Eventually, they're going to get to the front again just through sheer weight of information and numbers. Yeah, absolutely, you know. And, um, you know, not only, you know, the old saying goes, money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure buys a lot of things that can make you happy. Uh And, uh, you know, one thing is, you know, you can't uh, you can't get to the front without having the brains behind it. Um, you know, Roland Dane is the figurehead. He's the one person. He's the guy that puts it all together. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the guys behind the scenes, like the Mark Duttons, you know, uh, like uh, the Ludo LaCroix that have, you know, Ludo's obviously come over here. He's been part of Roland's business empires for a lot of years now. He's had a lot of success in uh, British touring cars over in Europe. Um, he is a very smart bloke, and you know, I, I think that uh, and, and Roland knows knows that I think ninety five percent of their or ninety percent of their success has come from Ludo's engineering. You know, he's an engineering genius, and uh, you know, I think and Roland knows that, and, and uh, he knows how to keep people that make the difference. And um, I think that's what, you know, he's been able to do is build a fantastic team around him and, uh, you know, to have the right people in the right areas to um, uh, to have a successful combination. And, uh, you know, not only do you have to have the right, I guess, business ethic to do that, uh, you've got to have money as well. And, uh, you know, he's got the whole package. We hear more from Stephen Johnson on Inside Supercars over the next couple of weeks. I hope you'll tune in for them. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to grab, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Cole Hitchcock joins us on the line as, uh, well, the first ever pay TV live round of V8 Supercars went to air exclusively on Fox Sports this weekend. Of course, uh, the television highlights also did bring in good viewing figures. Uh, uh, all in all, what was V8 Supercars' reaction to the response, Cole? Oh, look, I think we've been overwhelmed um, across the entire year, uh, not just Tasmania, the the overall numbers of people watching uh, V8 supercars is uh, is gone up by something like 150% uh, year on year to date. So um, no, overwhelmed, one with the amount of people who uh, who are watching, and two um, with the quality of the telecast and the feedback we're getting from fans about it. It's fair to say that there has been a, uh, as much negative as positive comment uh, from the fans talking about the move. What was the feedback from those fans that 
perhaps had been looking with a lot of trepidation about the changes? Oh, look, once again, I think the fans, um, you know, who chose to take the the pay TV subscription uh, element are absolutely over the moon, not just with the fact they're getting V8 supercars live in HD and ad-free, but they're also getting all of the support categories. Uh, the numbers on Saturday for Tassie were pretty much like for like with the numbers that uh, that we had uh, this time last year. Um, so that's uh, really, really, really good. Um, you know, I think that would have surprised a lot of the naysayers, but uh, it proves that the combination that we've got, uh, you know, is working. Um, the other thing that we have that... Uh, all of the football codes and even cricket and the major sports don't have as we have a free-to-air element of both. Uh, so people who, for whatever reason, don't have pay TV, they can watch um, four highlights packages over the course of the weekend and uh, they proved hugely popular on their, in their own right. Mm. Of course, uh, Sunday was a tough day, the World Cup final. And interestingly, you moved the uh, test day away from the first uh, what was it, Australia-England match of the World Cup, but you ran Tassie against the final. Yeah, that, that, that's that's an anomaly of dates. Um, you know, there's a couple of elements to that. There was never any surety whilst they were one of the favourites that Australia were going to play that final, and plus we need to work in with governments and all sorts of different people when we come up with our dates uh, in terms of the test day. The text, test day was a little more, more flexible in being able to be moved, but Tasmania wasn't. So, you know, and again, uh, we weren't... Uh, you know, there was no certainty that Australia were going to make the World Cup final. I think you would have found it if it were an India versus a South Africa or another team, uh, that it would have been a totally different picture. Mm. Now, one thing that must be uh, very heartening in it, uh, V8 Supercars is increased crowd numbers. We saw Eclipsal, their second highest ever uh, crowd, and uh, Tassie, the highest crowd ever for a uh, V8 Supercar event. And, of course, it is the biggest sporting event in the Apple Isle. Yeah, absolutely. I think if um, on trend compared to other sports, we're very, very proud that last year we managed to maintain uh, the majority of our crowds. We declined a little bit in some areas, but others, um, you know, we increased. Uh, you know, Gold Coast was a perfect example of that. Um, Bathurst was the second largest crowd at Bathurst uh, in um, in the history of that event uh, last year. So no, we're very, very happy that, um, you know, our live audiences are uh, uh, are up this year so far and um, we think that trend will continue so we're obviously doing something right in terms of uh, you know the on track uh, the on track uh, element but also the off track element you know our events are major events the majority of them that you go to are the biggest events in their respective um, destinations every year uh, and you know we pride ourselves on that fact and uh, we make them major events as opposed to just motor races. Now, of course, uh, Perth and Winton are going to continue the uh, free-to-air uh, highlights packages and uh, live pay TV. What is the strategy now? Because with the increase in crowd numbers, you obviously want to continue that trend and build on what has been a successful start of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know Perth and Winton. Um, you know, I think uh, we'll we'll build on on um, you know the, the publicity element in and around the events. Obviously, all of the additional shows we've got on during the week and the and the replays and so on and so forth are, are increasing the overall exposure of and as a, of of V8 supercars and motorsport in general. And I think again, the the like for like comparison is um, year to date uh, we're up some two two point two two point three million people as a whole who've watched V8 supercars this year compared to last. So as we uh, had promised all along, that this package will bring with it more viewers for the teams, for the sponsors, uh, for everybody concerned, and that's exactly what it has done so far. Even with that decline uh, in Tasmania on the Sunday due to the World Cup, we are way, way above 
uh, the numbers that we've been able to uh, generate in the past, and that's what we promised from the start. Now, calendars are difficult things. A five-week break before Perth is not ideal, but it's the what what we've got in 2015. How does V8 Supercars uh, work with the promoters over in Perth to keep a front of mind going into the event now? Well, it, there's, there's a couple of elements to that. The Perth event was initially, in our first draft calendars, was initially April 15 to 16, I believe. Uh, but we were asked by the government, and we made that uh, we made that quite clear when we changed the date and we moved it back by two weeks, um, that there, there were some um, clashes over there um, and things to consider, such as Anzac Day and then uh, one of the, the West Coast Eagles playing the Fremantle Dockers over there, that we did change that to two weeks later. So, um, you know, it's an unfortunate... Um, uh, uh, sort of knock-on effect of, of of that, but we did initially have it slated for mid-April uh, in the in the original calendar. Um, so you know we'll we'll work with it. You know there's plenty of gaps to fill, and, and again it's a perfect example of how you know this consistent content uh, across uh, the Fox uh, platforms and and of course RPM on Channel 10 and, and uh, you know digital content which is rising you know uh, by two and three hundred percent every year. It's it's, it's still an opportunity. My thanks to Cole Hitchcock. That's all we have time for this week. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.